You're listening to the Pocket Hole Podcast with your host, PDF Pocket Hole. We're broadcasting to you today from Cheesy Pete's Pleasing Cheeses Emporium. Peter Cheesy is a local businessman who has kindly loaned us his office. We're recording this straight from Cheesy Pete's Pleasing Cheese Factory, and we're pleased to say that Peter Cheesy's Cheesy Cheese is easy to eat. Buy some today! Welcome to the Pocket Hole Podcast. Soundwaves pocket thoughts in the brains of a human population. Welcome to the Pocket Hole Podcast. Your whole inhalation of good vibrations and information. This is completely unrelated to anything, but I, I, <laughs> I was just watching an interview with uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, the creators of South Park. I'd been getting loads of interviews from them recommended on YouTube because I watched one last week and it was like an hour long and now I'm just getting all their Conan O'Brien appearances and whatever. But I was just watching one there like an hour ago and they were saying that they use Pro Tools. Pro Tools is the industry standard for audio software to record and edit audio. And that's what I use for editing this podcast and for music and everything. But they were saying in the interview that they they pitch up their voices in Pro Tools. Trey Parker says uh, that's up by three semitones for any of you Pro Tools nerds out there. And I thought, what, really? It's that easy? So, I mean, I have Pro Tools. I'm just going to try it out real quick because, I don't know, I just literally found that out and I, I just want to try it. I know, I'm aware that it's going to be terrible, but I just want to know what it's like. So I'm going to look up Cartman's best quotes or whatever and (laughs) try my best to see what it sounds like. Screw you guys, I'm going home. Respect my authority. How would you like to suck my balls? No, kitty, this is my pot pie. That wasn't too bad for a first attempt. I'm happy enough with that. All right, so I was cycling to work the other day. And I came across a rude taxi man. This is what I want to talk about. Forget that whole first bit. In fact, let's just do do the intro again and we'll start again. Welcome to the Pocket Hole Podcast. I was cycling to work the other day and I came across this rude taxi man. Now, coming across a rude taxi man is not by any way unusual when you're a cyclist. At least in Dublin anyway, because cyclists have to cycle on the road. We don't have cycle paths for... 90% of the country. So taxi drivers, they kind of see the road as theirs. They own the road because they spend all day every day driving on those roads in the city center. And their car is like their office. I mean, I, I get it. Because if if I'm in an office, after a couple of weeks, you just kind of you put pictures up of your loved ones. You put your pocket hole podcast mug down on the table it feels like yours and if someone comes over and sits at your desk and puts their pen on it it's like hey i own this space so i can imagine why taxi drivers feel like they own the space of the road but the thing is they need to remember that they don't and if there's any taxi drivers listening i don't think i'm generalizing all of them because there's there's nice taxi drivers out there but there's a lot of them that beep at me and it really fucking pisses me off sometimes i am in the wrong okay sometimes but still i think beeping at someone it's so unnecessary unless you want to prevent them from dying or whatever the the most amount of beeps that i get is just from people who are pissed off and they just want to vent their frustration Sometimes I get beeped just for being on the road. But anyway, all that aside, this is half six in the morning, cycling down the road, there's no other cars, and I get beeped. And I swear to God, there was nothing that I was doing wrong. There was no one else on the road. I was just simply there, and my existence pissed this guy off. So what I like to do is, if possible, at the next red light, if I see that taxi... And not not that I'm angry, but just to piss them off, just to get their reaction. I'll cycle up to their car, and I'll knock on the window. And if they roll down the window, I'll just look at them, like give them a, a stare. And it's not an intimidation tactic or anything. I, I don't really give a shit as much as I'm complaining now. I don't really care that much if they beep me. I just move on with my life. But the fact that they beeped me leads me to believe that they're easily triggered, you know? 
So I'll just go up to them, knock on their window and look at them. And their reaction is always like, what the fuck are you doing, you fucking thing? That's their reaction. They always go crazy and it's... <laughs> I like to piss people off, okay? It's like a, a, a hobby of mine. So this guy, I'm like, okay, there's no one else in the road. I was doing nothing wrong. That guy must have a serious bee in his bonnet if he's beeping at me for whatever reason. So I go up and I knock on his window. He doesn't roll down the window. And it's not because he doesn't want confrontation or anything. It's because when we stop at the red light and I knock on his window, he doesn't even hear me. And you know why? Because he's on the phone. He's on the fucking phone. This guy's job is to drive. And not just to drive, to drive other people. People are paying him to drive them around. And this guy is on a video WhatsApp call and he has headphones in. Like, fuck you, man. Seriously. It's one thing just to be a bit arrogant or whatever, but... Okay, I don't want to sound preachy and all, like, safe, but you're in a metal vehicle that could kill people and does kill 180 people a year in Ireland. That's how many people die from road deaths, or at least last year it was 160. Yeah, so that, that annoys me a lot. And I was thinking, if this was that guy's first day on the job... There is no way he would do that. Now, for me, I'm not a taxi driver. I'm a cyclist, as I've mentioned many times. <laughs> I said that in such a fucking, like, I am a cyclist. And I twirled my little curly mustache while I said it. But me looking at him, I'm looking at him like, I only see this guy for 30 seconds of my life and then he's gone. Being a taxi driver to me is not reality. But for him, he drives that taxi every day. That is his life. That car is his office. And these roads, these roads are his domain because he spends all day on them. So I imagine when he started the job, he was real vigilant. Probably had nice conversations with the people like, hey, how are you getting on today? And he was probably watching the roads. Like, oh, oh, better not make a mistake. I don't want to don't wanna mess anything up here. It's my first day on the job. But then as time goes by, he gets a call and he thinks, Oh, I really shouldn't be answering this call right now. I'm driving and that would be dangerous. So maybe he doesn't. And then the next time he gets a call, he's a bit more confident. He's, you know, he's on an eight-hour shift. He's getting a bit tired. Oh, I suppose one call won't hurt. And the next thing you know, he's half six in the morning on a video call on WhatsApp with his headphones in. Oh, yes, hello, WhatsApp. Oh, what's going on with you? No, I'm not busy. I'm just driving a fucking steel vehicle that could kill people. That's right, I'm in a death machine. And it's my job to drive people around. And, oh, excuse me, there's a cyclist. Beep, beep. Get out of the way. Ha <laughs> ha. No, what was I saying? Oh, yes, the Chinese diaspora. You know, like, he's just, he's complacent. And that's what I want to talk about here. It's complacency. Because for a minute, I was pissed off that he was doing this, putting lives in danger. Well, I suppose I still am, but I was more pissed off at the time. And then I thought, hmm, I can't say that I wouldn't do the same. It's easy to get annoyed at from a distance, but in all honesty, if my job was to sit in that chair and listen to the radio and drive people around all day, five days a week, for the, for my whole life, then I probably would get complacent. And it's not a reflection of a bad person. It's just in our nature to do that. We get bored so easily, and you kind of do a risky thing, and it pays off the first time. Then you try it again, and again, and again. Well, I've done it ten times already. How bad could it be? And just to be clear, what I mean by complacency is having a feeling of uncritical satisfaction with yourself. So it's like on your first day in the job as a taxi man, you might be thinking, oh, I shouldn't have done this. Oh, I kind of went through a yellow light. I should have waited when it went red. But then as time goes by, you go straight to a red light and you're not even critical of your own of your own performance in your job because... You just have an uncritical satisfaction with yourself. You're not even judging if you're doing a good job or not anymore. Progression is the essence of human existence. And I sound very formal when I say it like that. So let me say it this way. 
If you have no desire to improve or hold yourself to a standard, then you're simply existing. And humankind didn't get this far in life without a constant need for improvement. A species like ourselves, humans, we're all humans here, we can, we can talk about human stuff. As a species, it's invaluable to not be stagnant. We need to progress, that is just a basic human thing. So, it's one thing for personal life. I know that can be, f it's hard as fuck to progress yourself, like, as a, as a person. But we're talking about this taxi guy, we're talking about his job. That's way easier. It's way easier to improve yourself at a job because there's structures there and it's pretty clear what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. So we'll get on to personal improvement in a sec, but just one point that the comedian Louis C.K., he, he had a great piece of stand-up comedy back before he had that whole masturbation accident, as Dave Chappelle puts it. Uh, he had this great bit uh, where he says, if you have a job... You should do the thing that is the reason for that place. If you work in a restaurant as a chef, then you should make good food. Because the point of that restaurant is for you to make good food. And if you're not doing that, well then you're just a piece of shit. Fuck you. I was like 20 and I was working in a restaurant and I was really lazy and really bad at it. I have one friend that can attest to that very much. And it's because... I was 20 and I was thinking, oh, I don't need this job. Oh, I'm far better than this. I'm an artist. I'm a musician. I should be arting and musicianing. But actually, th there's a reason why you're in that job. And it's because you're 20 and you don't have any skills. You have nothing to offer. You haven't done anything yet. So there's no reason why you deserve to be above being a cashier in McDonald's. You know? Oh, I get really annoyed when I go to a restaurant and I order something and the 20-year-old guy behind the counter is like, Oh, fuck, I don't need this. This job sucks. Yeah, it does suck. That's why we gave it to you. That's why you're doing the job. All you've been doing your whole life is criticizing things like, Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, no, I don't like that. No, no give me some of this. I want more of that. Like, all you do is consume until you're, like, 23 or something. And then you start actually developing skills. So, <laughs> so okay, so that's, like, professional improvement. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about you as a person. Like, how do you improve? And you're, you might be thinking, how the fuck am I supposed to do that? What does that even mean? How do I improve? Am I not good enough just for existing as a person? Is my value just simply by being alive not enough? And on one hand, yes, you do have value because you do exist and you're no better or worse than anyone else. You know, there's no one person who is better or worse than another person. We're all of equal value. But I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this wants to be better in some way or another, either long-term or short-term, because that's what humans do that's what we've always done. That's how we went from being cavemen into being people who sit down in chairs and type buttons for a living. We've progressed. So if, if you're going to college, that means you want to learn something, you want to have a job, you want to make money. That's pretty significant progression. A lot of people in college think that they're not doing anything, they're not contributing to life. But going to college is the first step to doing that. You don't just go straight into contributing to society. You need to learn something first. So that's fine. If you're going to college, you're, you're improving yourself. You're learning. You're being with other people. You're, you're becoming a, a, a proper person. If you're a professional, you want to be good at your job. You want to move up the ladder. You want to make more money. If you have no job and you don't go to college, you're probably sitting at home all day wanking and thinking, fuck, I wish I had something to do. No matter what point in life you're in, there's always some way that we're looking to improve. Even if you sit at a computer playing games all day, you're still trying to be better at that game. You're still trying to beat that game or be better at it competitively. That's an artificial form of improving yourself, but it still counts. So what I'm saying is, our lives are structured towards goals. I'm pretty sure everyone listening now has some goal 
whether they realize it or not. But unfortunately, the world is structured in such a way that constantly makes this harder and harder. The world does not want you to improve. But as humans, all we want to do is improve. But the more we progress as a civilization, the more convenient our lives become. And the more convenient our lives are, the less shit that we actually do. So when I say that, I mean, as we progress as a society, as humans, we invent phones, we invent computers, we invent machines that do our jobs for us. We're progressing in the field of intelligence and invention. But everything that we invent is just for the purpose of trying to do less shit. Or at least do it quicker. That's difficult, because... Let's say back 60, 70... No, let, let's go back to the time of Socrates and Plato. They didn't have technology. They didn't have all these distractions at their fingertips. You go home to your house. Socrates go, goes home to his house. And he has a very limited choice of things to do. Distraction-wise. He doesn't just turn on Netflix, you know? He doesn't just look up philosophical quotes from himself on the internet. What you have to do back then, you can be productive, you can think of stuff, you can do stuff with your hands, you can talk to people, socialize. All the things that they do for fun are somewhat productive. But I was sitting at home the other day, lying on my bed, scrolling through my phone, which is fine. But I was just going in and out of apps, refreshing shit, even though it was 1pm on a Friday. And there's absolutely no chance of anything important coming up on my phone. So I'm just lying there scrolling and going in and out of apps. Usually I would get bored and then just lie down and stare at the ceiling for a while. And I actually caught myself doing this. And I thought, what am I actually doing right now? I'm just searching for mindless entertainment. And I can't even find it because I've already consumed all of the mindless entertainment. How productive is this? This is probably the least productive thing anyone can ever do. Just going in and out of apps. I'm literally... I'm doing worse than nothing. At least if I was doing nothing. Your brain has this mechanism where if you're bored and you have nothing to do, your brain kicks in and it starts thinking of things to do and you get more creative. They say that a really good way to be creative is just go into a room with nothing in it and your brain will be like hungry for entertainment and it'll invent something. Whether it's a story or whether you find a piece of paper, you just start drawing. Like, that's a good way to be productive. But the mobile phone is like, it's preventing me from actually doing anything else. Because I'm, like, searching for this entertainment. So my brain isn't getting bored. It's not searching for something else to do. But I'm also not doing anything either. And I calculated how much time every day do I do this. During a week, I probably do that for like 9 hours in total. And it might not seem like much when it's just 20 minute increments. That's a lot of time. That's like a whole day that you're wasting doing nothing. So for me, the most important way of improving my life is through thought. By analysing my behaviour, trying to find better paths of thinking, trying to find better things to do with my time. But if I'm constantly consuming mindless content, then I'm not learning or progressing in any way. So the solution I came up with a long time ago was, every time I find myself doing a mindless activity for too long, whether it's scrolling through my phone, looking at shitty YouTube videos that are pointless, lying down, staring at the ceiling, doing nothing, whenever I catch myself doing that, I try replace that activity with something productive. It seems like I do a lot of stuff with, you know, Pocket Hole and the podcast and videos and whatever. But really, I'm just replacing going on YouTube with making a podcast. And it only it takes a couple of hours. A couple of hours that I would have spent doing nothing. So my original goal was to simply just stop going on YouTube. This scrolling through the phone thing, that's new for me. That's something I'm only discovering now. But YouTube used to be my thing. I'd watch like 40 hours of YouTube a week. It was really terrible. So my original goal was just not doing that. And now I've realized that by replacing this shitty thing that's meaningless and doing something kind of productive, my goal now is actually learning and developing skills. 
which seems hard. Like when I say that to people, they always seem kind of like, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could learn a skill. And I totally get that feeling. But um, what I'd like to talk to you about today is a psychological tool that might help you learn skills and to help you develop skills that you already have. It's called the Hierarchy of Competence. That's right, the Hierarchy of Competence. It's a psychological tool that explains how skills are learned. And the good thing about this, it doesn't fail. It's not like a plan that in theory, if you put it into practice, it'll work. This hierarchy of competence comes from a system that's already established. It's an explanation of how skills are formed. It's not like a a how-to on how to develop skills, you know? The only variable in this tool is your willingness to actually try and your ability to learn. Like, that's, that's the only variable. If you try, then this works, pretty much. So, it's a pyramid with four different sections. It starts at the bottom and it works its way up to the top. And you know, like the bottom section is the biggest and then it gets smaller as it goes up to the top. So my main experience with this pyramid is music. And like most people, I'm developing other skills like filmmaking, sound engineering, etc. And it doesn't even have to be like a professional skill. It could be learning to be in big crowds. It could be learning to talk to people. It could be learning to fucking eat more food you know it could be anything anything that is somewhat a skill i'm gonna do it in relation to learning an instrument or something music wise like being in a band you know because i feel like that's the most broad and relatable way that i can explain it so if you want you can look up the hierarchy of competence and get an image on google and it's easier to follow what I'm saying if, if you're actually looking at it. So the first stage is the bottom one. That's where you start. And it's called unconscious incompetence. And basically, this is when you first first start a skill. You've just bought a guitar and you're looking at it. You have it in your hands. You have no idea how to play this thing. You're at stage one, unconscious incompetence. So what that means is you're incompetent you don't know how to play that guitar. And also, you don't know why you can't play it. You don't know what you're doing wrong. So you pick up a guitar and you just start like strumming it and then you put your fingers on the frets in like random places. You've no idea what you're doing. And essentially you have the wrong intuition. So the only way to get out of this very basic level is to have a teacher. A lot of people say that they teach themselves and, oh, he taught himself guitar. Yes, yes, he's very clever. He he didn't need a teacher. He did this all by himself. Everyone needs a teacher to get out of the first stage. It's like, for example, people always say Jimi Hendrix taught himself guitar. But if you actually research it, people told him shit as he went along. Because for Jimi Hendrix to just learn how to play guitar by himself, he would have to be a fucking genius to figure out even the most basic things of like chord combinations and like even just putting your finger on the string. And yeah, there's a lot of things that you can figure out by yourself, but it's going to take you way longer when you could just get someone to tell you, hey, do this, and then you do it, and then you've learned that it didn't take you a year. So to get out of the very basic stage, you need someone to give you some level of understanding why you're bad at it a teacher's job isn't to make you competent it's to make you learn why you're incompetent because to get to the next level of learning something it's actually just figuring out why you're bad at it and then figuring out what you need to do to get better so at the very first stage when you're starting out that's when you get like people with high egos and people people on the x factor Perfect example, Britain's Got Talent and The X Factor makes a killing out of people who are unconsciously incompetent. They get people who come in who think they can sing but have never actually, you know, gotten a lesson 
or learned anything about singing and then that person sings a song everyone laughs they get buzzed and then they leave and that's the show if you're unwilling to learn and if you think that you're great and with no question about it if you're complacent if you're not critical about what you're doing then you won't learn and you won't get into the next bracket of actually being good at the thing so that's why you get so many divas and egotistical people in music because they just think they can do it from the start but the only way to actually get better at something is to realize that you're not good at it and also another thing the reason why learning skills seem so hard is because the very first step is the hardest because you don't know anything you're shit at it and that's boring but if you're starting off and you just want to be like a fucking stadium singer the first step to being good at something is being bad at it so let's go to the next step conscious incompetence this is when you've learned that you're not very good at playing guitar but you're aware of it and being aware of that is the first it's the gateway to the next level so now that you know that you're not very good at it you start practicing and practicing and even though you fail you just keep going because you know that eventually because you're smart enough to realize that you're not good eventually you will become good if you just keep trying and trying and this can be really frustrating because now you are aware that you're bad which is good but you're still bad which is not good so essentially you need to just keep learning small things as you go along and get the right analysis because if you're learning things wrong then you'll do it wrong and you'll never progress to the next level so for example i was half attempting to learn spanish okay i was just kind of asking someone who speaks spanish to like teach me words and everything and donald trump put out this tweet this is like a long time ago he put out this tweet and he said something about um going to the kafifi something like that i can't remember but he said the word kafifi and what happened was he misspelled something and then sent out the tweet by accident autocorrect or whatever so he used this word kafifi and it was a big meme for ages and then he put out another tweet saying who knows the true meaning of kafifi just fucking with people cuz it means nothing but yeah what a weird guy so i said that to this spanish speaker and i don't know what happened it was like a miscommunication but they said oh that's funny like that's like the word we use in spanish for coffee which is cafe but i misunderstood and thought they were saying that kafifi was the word for coffee in spanish so when i went to spain I went into a coffee shop and I asked for kafifi. <laughs> so, here's where I went wrong. I mislearned something. And so I thought that I was learning something, but I was being unconsciously incompetent, you know? Like I didn't know why I was wrong, and that's why I was failing to progress. But then when I learned that that's wrong, I realized, oh shit, I need to get like proper lessons or whatever. Like I can't just be asking a friend to teach me spanish that's being conscious that you're bad and that's taking the right steps to be better so when you've done that you've done all the practice you're conscious now you're practicing you're getting better what's the next stage the next stage is conscious competence and that is the golden fucking goose of learning anything when you get to this stage even though there's four stages the third stage is the best because you're now getting good at what you do and you know why you're good at it it's the perfect fucking storm it's a barnstormer of a situation to be in so you're playing guitar you're like oh if i make this chord oh cool i did it and i know that worked because that's c that's a and that's g and i know that if i play all those together whatever then i'm going i'm going to get that chord so when you get to this point there's no stopping you and actually just in relation to learning a language they say that there's 10% or 20% of every language and if you learn that 20% you can say most things for example if you say i'm going to the shop now you can say i'm going to wherever you want 
that covers a large portion of language. And also if you learn I is me, then you can say I whatever, you know? So if you just learn these small amounts of words, it sets you up for the rest. And then most of the rest of learning the language is just kind of learning specific words like conscious or incompetence, you know? Just words for context. So when you get to stage three of conscious competence, when you know why sentences are formed in certain ways and you know that you've made these mistakes in the past but now you have a basic understanding of the language or basic understanding of playing guitar, that basic understanding makes all the advanced shit way easier. It's just that initial 10% that's hard and boring because you fail a lot and you don't really know why. But then when you just have the basics down, you just fucking keep going. And there you go, you've learned a skill. And it really wasn't that hard, was it? Now all you have to do is keep developing it. And this is essentially what I was getting to with my whole thing with replacing going on your phone, like all that mindless shit. So for example, I was like, alright, let's not go on YouTube so much and let's just make a podcast. And the first podcast I made was terrible. And I'm not talking about in this series. Like, this is just for fun. In a totally different thing that I never released. First one was awful. And then I listened back to it. I'm like, okay, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And now I didn't get a teacher for doing podcasts or whatever. But you can record yourself and then be your own teacher. That's a very valuable lesson to be learned. This is where complacency gets you. Sometimes you do something, you think it's good, and then if there's nothing to tell you that it isn't good, you've mislearned what you've done or you're not improving yourself. Like, have you ever recorded yourself singing and you think that it's great and then you listen back to it and it's not great? (laughs) You know, it's when you listen back to it, you need to think, oh, okay, so that's not good, that's not good. And then either get someone to tell you why or figure it out for yourself. But yeah, so I started doing podcasts, I listened back to it, I'm like, oh, that bit's not good, that bit's not good. And you should always do that with everything. Always, like, record yourself, review it, and then try and improve upon it. But the most important part about getting to this third stage, the conscious competence, that's where you just develop it, and that just keeps going, and you can just keep learning infinitely. So you don't just learn a skill, ever. You don't just get to a point, and you're like, okay, I'm good at that now. You're always just like chipping away at it and learning more and more. But, as I said, there's a fourth stage. So what happens after you're just developing, you're just learning and learning? Well, here is the best and worst stage of the pyramid. It's unconscious competence. That's when you're good at something and you're so good at it that you're not even paying attention anymore. Say you're playing piano and you're just chatting away to someone. You're, you're perfectly playing a Mozart piece while having a conversation about, you know, what you had for lunch last Wednesday. That's unconscious competence. Because you're competent, you can play it, and you can play it well, but you're not paying attention to what you're actually doing or why it's good. And the reason why this is dangerous is because you can start mislearning stuff and you're not paying attention to yourself learning it wrong. So, for example, say you're playing piano and, like, you're talking away to someone and you do that every time you play piano. What you're actually doing is you're missing a note in the second verse. You're always missing the very last note of a bar. But you're not aware of that because you think now that you're good at it and you don't need to learn. And actually, you end up going to the bottom of the pyramid again to unconscious incompetence. Now you're doing shit wrong. And you're not even aware that you're doing it. It's muscle memory, essentially. I mean, we all know what that's like. If you're doing your job that you do every day and you're just on autopilot and you're not even thinking about it, you're just put that there, do that, clean that, give this a little bit of a rub, pray to that guy, put a rug down here. And you're not even thinking about what you're doing. And then someone else turns to you and says, here, what the fuck? You just put a rug down there. What are you doing? You're like, oh shit. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't even paying attention. I was just like doing my job there. You're not fucking it up because you're bad at it. But you're fucking it up because you're not paying attention. And 
well, then you become bad at it. So you go back to the start of the pyramid. So how do you fight this? Well, essentially, muscle memory is the problem. And it's the problem with the fucking leaving cert exam in Ireland. Just learning stuff and kind of memorizing it. That's not learning things. That's just having a routine and going along with that routine. So in relation to music, you can say you're a band. You have 12 songs and you play those 12 songs every night when you're gigging. You're just going through the motions. You're playing the song like you do every other night. But let's just say you suddenly you start thinking about what you're doing. You're playing the song that you've played a million times. But then you start thinking, wait, I'm in front of a crowd. I'm playing guitar. Oh my God, there's like 10,000 people looking at me. Better not fuck this up. And then suddenly, you can't remember how to play guitar anymore. And that's because you haven't actually learned the piece. You're just letting your fingers do all the work. And when muscle memory stops working, you look down at your fingers and you're like, play the fucking song. I don't remember how to play the song. And then you just forget. You just choke. You get stage fright. Because you've learned this thing like through routine, but you've... You're not actually aware of what you're doing. And the way to know if you really know a song that you're playing. If someone says to you, play the third chord in the second verse. You should just be able to play that chord. You shouldn't be like, okay, hold on, let me start from the start. And then start from the start of the song. And when you get to that point, be like, oh, it's C. Oh, I know all the lyrics to Eminem's fourth album. All of them. Okay, well, how about I just put a random point in track number four and then you just go from there and you put on, like, Lose Yourself two and a half minutes in. Sorry, I don't know if that's his fourth album, but whatever. You put on Lose Yourself 234 and then suddenly they don't know the lyrics because it's like, no, 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 you have to go back to the start. I can only do it if it was from the start. And that's because you don't know the lyrics. You just know the the chain of patterns that he makes with his voice from the start and you've learned each part in relation to the part before and after it but really learning it means learning each individual piece and not just relying on muscle memory to get you through the whole song because if you're a musician if you're a performer you need to know the song well, you know? If you're just rapping Eminem lyrics at home for your own pleasure, then that's fine. Who, who cares? But in the interest of progressing a skill and developing it, that's what you need to do to be good at it. Know what you're doing and why. And if you're thinking to yourself like, oh, I don't have any skills, I can't apply this information to my own life, I'm going to say something to you now. And you're going to understand what I mean by unconscious incompetence. Like when you start just realizing you're playing piano on stage and you start realizing, oh shit, I'm in front of loads of people. Oh fuck, now I can't remember how to play the song. This will be relatable to you when I say this. You are breathing. You are breathing. You can feel your clothes. You're manually blinking. You're making your eyes blink right now. When now you're thinking about that and you're like, fuck, how do I go back to breathing automatically again? It's fine to have muscle memory when you're breathing, you know, that's perfectly fine. But to have that feeling when you're on stage and you're doing something automatically and then someone says like you're playing a song right now and you're like, oh, fuck, now I'm aware of it. And now I can't remember how to do it anymore. The hierarchy of competence doesn't fail. It's a fucking psychological tool and it's a good benchmark for figuring out where you are with learning something because it's intimidating when you're like starting to learn a language and you're not good at it and you're like, oh, I'm never going to be good at this. It's nice to look at that pyramid and know that, okay, I'm just in stage one. I will get past this. If I just learn the basics, I'll be in stage two and then I'm practically at the stage of actually knowing it properly. Goals are realistic. You just have to try and stick with it. And once you start succeeding, once you get past like the first, second stage and you start being good at it, then it's not hard anymore. Then you're like, yeah, fuck this. I'm the boss. I can actually do this. I'm actually good at this. And we like continuing to do things that we're good at, you know? Like when we are good at something, we're like, fuck, yeah, I'm going to do that way more. I'm good at this. Fucking good at it. And then if you fail once, you're like, ah, fuck this, I'm not good anymore. 
You know, you can fail and you will fail. Failure is always there and it's always trying to get you to stop. That's what failure wants you to do. It wants you to stop. Yeah, no, you're not good at this. Look, you just fucked that up. Like, what are you going to do? Huh? Going to quit? That's uh, failure. Yeah. Failure. Whoa. Hold on. Shit. Fuck. Uh, I, uh, I don't have anything else. Sorry, I just, I kept thinking about failure and, uh, God, I just kind of remembered, like, I don't. Hey, 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 what's going on, man? Ah, come on, I don't want to listen to this. What? I don't want to listen to logic and, like, the voice of logic. Why not? Because, like, that's not me, that's not who I am, I don't listen to the voice of logic, like, that's not how I've gotten this far in life. Well, yeah, but aren't you talking about learning new things and, like, trying and failing and opening up your mind and being better at it? Well, yeah, but, like, I'm not talking about this. Not talking about what? Shut up. No, not talking about what? Not talking about, like, you know, like, fear of failure, doing the podcast, and I don't know what to talk about. Well, that's exactly what you've been talking about for this whole show. (sighs) Fuck you, okay, 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 yeah, you're right, you're right, okay, I'm wrong. I'm a man, I could admit that I'm wrong. No, I'm not here to prove you wrong, but I'm just saying that you should take your own advice and you're telling people that you need to try and fail and... I mean, this is only episode 12 of the podcast, like, you're, you're doing great. Okay, alright, I just panicked a bit because I kind of like, I felt like I was rambling there and like being overly preachy. Oh, come on, man, give yourself a break. Yeah, what do you know? You've never made a podcast, you don't know what it's like. Oh my god, man, what is this? What is this? You are so disrespectful, man. Logic, he's a smart guy. He try to help you, he know all the good stuff. He know everything, man. Who the fuck is this guy, man? He he try to help you. You should listen. It's fine, it's just another guy. He's in here. part of your brain, okay? There's lots of people. How many people are in here? What do you mean? How many people are inside my brain talking to me right now? There's loads. Yeah, man, there's loads in here. We tell you lots of kind of things, and we tell you lots of stuff. Oh my god, man, what is this? Okay, everybody get out. Seriously, everybody get out. This is way too much. Whoa. This is too confusing. Everybody shut up. Everybody shut, shut the fuck up, okay? I'll explain this. I'm logic. I'm the logical component of your brain. I, you know, I, I speak sense. I, I'm a rational kind of guy. Uh, but there's a lot of people in here. Like, this is Drama? Drama. So what, why would I need drama in my life? Because you need a sense of theatrics. You need, you need strong emotions to, to guide you in a direction sometime. I'm gonna guide you so hard, man. I'm gonna guide you down. I'm gonna guide you to the end of the goddamn earth, man. Oh my god! It sounds a lot like a guy in a YouTube video I saw. Yeah, well, you know, your brain is made up of references of things, and you're a product of your environment. You're not just... You? Nothing is completely original. Yeah, I totally agree on that. You're influenced by things, and sometimes it's nice to wear those influences on your sleeve. Never stop consuming! Never stop being influenced, man! That's you! That is you! Nothing's original! Okay, okay, you can stay, you can stay. How many people are in here? Just seriously. This is a lot to take in. Like This is a pretty drastic development in the podcast. Look, I'm not gonna get into it. I just... Because I, I met you last week, or in the last episode, and that was a bit weird. Yeah, I get that. But I just want to know, like, is this a thing, or like... Because I don't want to be surprised by like loads of new fucking parts of my brain showing up, like this drama guy. Alright, okay, let's see. There's, uh, one, two, three, four... There's six of us. Six of us in here. Okay, and... Okay, I'm Logic. There's drama. I'm the best one, the best one, number one, yeah! Let the man finish, would you? I can't believe I'm saying that, I'm, I'm defending you now. There's also encyclopedia, volition, empathy, and authority. But listen, we're not gonna get into that now, okay? We wanna talk about your fear of failure. Ah, oh, fuck, really? I'm not afraid of failure, I'm completely confident in what I'm doing. Come on, man, you don't have to lie to yourself. Like, we we know what you think. Yeah, well, what do I think, then? I'm not here to tell you what you think or to change you. At the end of the day, you're the only person who can change yourself. Other people can give you advice and they can tell you what they think, 
but you're the only person who can really change you. But I didn't say that I want to be changed. Well, I'm just going off what you said, you know, about not wanting to promote yourself in the last episode, and you seemed like you got real panicked there when you couldn't think of anything else to say. Fair. How did the whole thing go with the CDs in the last episode? You're saying that people could support the show by like, buying a CD? Yeah, it was pretty good, I suppose. I mean, like a couple of people bought the CDs. Really? Well, that's fantastic. That's amazing. Ah, uh, yeah, but I mean... You mean what? What, what was bad about that? No, nothing. It's just that I feel like it wasn't justified, I suppose. What do you mean? They wanted to do it. You didn't make them do it. Yeah, but it's just... I don't know. I didn't really want to say it, and then when they did it, I felt guilty. Look, they wouldn't do it if they didn't want to do it, okay? So you just need to stop feeling so guilty about everything. It's okay for people to want to support you. It's a bit like begging, though, isn't it? Like having to ask people to go over there and buy this album or whatever. Well, then how else are they supposed to know that it exists if you don't tell them? Uh... Yeah, exactly. So what is your problem? I... I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. It's just, I suppose it's like an inherent thing, like the Irish people kind of... They're like this, aren't they? Yeah, kind of, but... Don't just generalize yourself as part of one big group mentality. Like, you're you. And you should be proud of what you're doing. People want you to keep doing this, you know? They're trying to support you to say they like what you're doing, they want you to keep going. Yeah, and I do appreciate when people said that a lot. Some people said that, and yeah, that makes me feel really good. Enjoy the ride and have fun. That's what everyone wants to see you do, is just have a bit of fun. Do you not think that your music is great? Ah, uh, like... I couldn't say that, you know, the music's great. Obviously, I made it. But do you not think that this is the best podcast in the world? No, no, not at all. Why not? What do you mean, why not? Because it's mine. Like, I'm not going to say this is the best podcast in the world. Would you not be a fan of your own podcast? Well, yeah, I, I would. Like, I suppose it's made for me in a lot of ways. If you don't think it's great, then how come you make all of your guests say that it's the best podcast in the world? I don't make them say that. They say that of their own volition. Why do you make them say it? They say it! Don't lie! Because... Because I feel like if they say that it's the best show in the world, then maybe they'll think that. You think that making them say it will change their own opinion of the show? Uh... Would you change your opinion if someone made look, you say I something? Look, I just like when people say it's the best show in the world. Is there something wrong with that? Well, yeah, there probably is, but I can tell that you don't want to get into it now. No, I, I really don't. I'm just going to keep the way I was. Thank you very much. Your show's the best, man. I Actually, love you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Actually, I kind of like that guy now. He's just not too bad. But uh, Logic. Yep. I just wanted to actually say something because, yes, uh, at the, the last episode, it was kind of like a bit unexpected that we'd be having a conversation. I was kind of caught off guard, but... I was actually thinking about, so you know the way you were saying that I, I have that album sequence too and it's on Bandcamp and if you want to support the show then like you could get the album. Well, yeah. So there's actually a lot of interesting things about the album but I feel like I just kind of like brushed it aside. Hey man, don't talk to me, talk to them. I have shit to do, okay? Like my job isn't here just to sit and listen to your problems so, uh, you know, that's your thing. You're the podcast host but yeah, I'm a go. Yeah, of course, like... Yeah, no problem. Uh, you're busy. Alright, well, I'll talk to you later. You'll be okay, yeah? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll get back to the show. It's I'm just wrapping up anyway. Alright, cool, 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 cool. Sorry, I got a bit sidetracked there, uh, lost in thought. But actually, yeah, there's just one thing that I wanted to say. I, I was on YouTube. Okay, it's getting pretty obvious in this episode now that I watch a lot of YouTube. And so instead of watching... I have this I have this problem it's the same problem with drinking where I'm like yeah I'll only I'll only have one pint and I never just have one pint if you if you say you're going to have one pint then just don't go out drinking cuz you will have several so I have that problem with YouTube where I say ah sure I'll, I'll only watch one video and then hours later I'm looking at 911 conspiracy videos and hour long documentaries about Super Mario Brothers so I've started replacing like I will watch youtube when i'm eating so instead of watching some really long documentary 
I'll just watch a 10 minute video about music marketing or something like that. Something that'll, I'll come away from it with an idea about music and I'll be excited to go back to work and everything, you know. So the other day I was having dinner and I was watching this YouTube video and there's this guy Damien Keyes who's this British guy and he always comes up with these like crazy marketing tactics and shit like that. I'm not really too into it but I like to watch it just for the interest of like how do you sell music, you know? I just always assume that you don't because it's on Spotify and it's free. And I'm genuinely curious, how, how are people supposed to buy music? Because I don't even buy that much music myself. And he had this video and it was called How to Sell CDs in 2020. And this is just a couple of days ago and I was thinking, Whoa, I have a CD. How am I supposed to sell it? Yeah, tell me. I hadn't really thought that out. I just kind of made them. And he starts going into this video with these crazy ideas. And uh, he was saying, uh, here's just a couple of his ideas. He's saying, one, instead of making one big album, why don't you make two separate little albums and one of them will only be available to purchase and one of them is available on digital his second idea was fill the actual CD with artwork you know don't just put a little thing in the sleeve for the cover and then expect people to buy it like put actual exclusive artwork in there his next one was write personal messages in the artwork like a little letter to your fans or whatever and then the last one was include secret codes in the album. So there's an exclusive link that goes to a YouTube video. And then it's like a personal video or something something like that. They weren't like fully fleshed out ideas. But I was watching this video. And for probably the first time in my life. I was watching someone give advice that they thought was really smart. And I was watching it thinking. I, I did all that. I actually had those ideas. Whoa. And I'm not like bragging about this. I'm just like amazed that I came up with an idea and it's this guy's job to come up with stuff. I was thinking, whoa. Now what am I doing wrong? The thing that I'm doing wrong is not actually telling anyone that I did all this. And I just realized in the last episode, I just said there was a CD and that you can go and get that. But why the fuck would anyone want to buy a CD? Seriously. How many of you out there have CD players? And as Denim was saying on a previous episode, he's never bought a CD. Not even in the era of CDs, so like, why would I sell that? So I should probably say now, and I think it's actually interesting because he was saying the ideas and I was thinking, oh, actually I'm interested in this and I've already done it and I didn't fucking tell people. So sequence two is it's only available on Bandcamp and it's like nine tracks and it's a concept album. But it's only available there and I have another album coming out on February 27th, which I'm like, this is the first time I've mentioned it, but I have a different EP that's only going to be on Spotify and all the streaming services. It's not like I'm going to release Sequence 2 on Spotify after a month or two. Like, you have to buy it if you want to get it. But I don't want to leave people just without any content. So I made a different EP that'll be out for free. So that's coming on 27th. The actual CD of Sequence 2. It's not like you just buy a CD and then you have to fucking find a CD player. The thing is full with artwork that I made personally. And not just me printing out pictures. But actually getting physical items and like putting them inside the package itself. And yeah, I got real drunk and I wrote like loads of personal messages. Some of them are really like I'm kind of cringing thinking about them because I was quite drunk and I started going into like personal shit in some of them. And I haven't looked back in that and I don't want to. But they're in there and there's like little letters to people and it's it's personalized and whatever. And there is a secret code in the album. I don't know what the secret code does yet, but it will do something at some point. And uh, yeah, it comes with a sticker as well. Like there's a lot of stuff in there. And the only reason I actually, you know, had the courage to put it out in the first place was because they were kind of expensive to make. And I'm just realizing now that, yeah, I'm really proud of it. And it's exciting. And it's not just, 
It's not just about the CD or the artwork, but it's about having a little memento of this time in our lives. Not just for me. I mean, obviously, this music very memorable at this moment for me. But it's it's like a physical thing to remember a certain part of your life in. And not just like a shitty fucking piece of paper. Like, it's a full product that you can only get in this specific place. And more than likely, I won't be selling them in like a couple months time. I mean, they take a long time to make by hand. And yeah, I have like a couple of them up in my room at home and I look at them. I'm like, that's just a very specific memory. And then when I was thinking about all this, I thought, that's the whole fucking point of the album. That's like the concept of the album is that the songs are footage of a memory. You will listen to the songs and you will have memories with them and you will listen to them at later points in life and you'll remember those moments when you first heard it but you'll also make new memories and it's the whole transportive element of music you know the way you can remember exactly where you were when you heard certain songs that's what i wanted with these songs is like when you listen to it you're like taking a photograph in your mind then if you listen to it in a year's time you're like oh fuck i i remember exactly what it was like around that time so that was like the whole concept of the album and i should have explained the actual you know, connection with the physical CD itself. And I can't believe the only reason I'm saying this is because I'm saying you can support the show with the album. So that's our episode for today. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that was somewhat informative, entertaining. Uh, I used to have this section called the Weekly Wacky Track Collage. But in the past few weeks, I've been so busy recording two albums, making tour dates, filming videos... And also working my regular full-time job. I just haven't had time to do the wacky tracks. So I'll tell you what. I'm releasing an EP on the 27th of February. And it's called Sequence 3. And I probably shouldn't be doing this. But I'll play a track that's coming off Sequence 3. It's a track called Doko Oki. And it's about a man who was running for president of Pocket World. Around the time of recording. He's a man of many promises, the validity of which is determined by you, the listener. It comes in the form of a radio broadcast that rudely interrupts the previous piece of programming in a sort of breaking news type fashion. It's a a breaking news bulletin. And I hope you enjoy it and I hope it gets you hyped for the EP. I'll be talking more about that around the time. If you want to get some music right now, of course you can check out videos on YouTube or go to the Bandcamp where you can find the album sequence. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special campaign announcement from Pocket World's presidential candidate, Doko Oki.
Hotel Kawoki. Welcome to the Pocket Hole Podcast.